Welcome to the episode. We've got Tony Poland joining us once again, this time for a sports tools segment. We're going to talk about his experience with USA Volleyball, Beach Volleyball, and of course a little bit about his time working in the Recovery Center at the 2016 Olympic Games. He's going to give us some solid, solid advice for your first set of interactions with new teams, whether it's the medical team or the athletes themselves. And of course, we're going to hit some of our hallmark questions. So we're going to get advice on continuing education, both inside the normal purview of massage therapy, and then some really good newer ones on the outside of kind of the traditional massage track, functional range conditioning, rock tape and some of their products, and a couple of other good nuggets that are held in there that I don't want to spoil ahead of time. So without further ado, let's kick it. Welcome to the Massage Tools Podcast, your home for cool interviews and reviews. Tony, thank you for coming on back and joining us for this uh, sport tool segment. So I want to pick your brain. I know you're a, a pretty accomplished sport massage therapist with USA Volleyball. So will you give us how you broke into working with that organization? Absolutely. It was a, a pretty straight line. Like I said on the on the other one, I've been doing the AIDS Lifecycle Ride since 2003. One of the practitioners on the sports medicine team for AIDS Lifecycle, her name is Rhonda Wimmer, and she has three doctorate degrees that I know of. She's just a, an extremely sharp practitioner, licensed acupuncturist, ATC. She uh, she was teaching at the time at Chapman uh, University here in Southern California, but she was volunteering on the sports medicine team. She had previously been involved with USA volleyball teams in Colorado Springs. And when they moved down to Anaheim, the medical director for the USAV, Aaron Brock, called her and said, hey, who can I get down here in Southern California to put together a volunteer massage team for me? She said, I have one name for you. And she gave him my name. He called me. I put together uh, a team of volunteers in 2010. And that first summer, we all worked volunteer. We drove down to Anaheim from Los Angeles, which is our hour and a half drive, and uh, had a blast. And so the next year, they started uh, they started paying us and, and pulling in more professionals, not just volunteers, or, or not just that group that originally volunteered. It has been a, a phenomenal relationship ever since. Awesome. And you've, you've traveled pretty extensively with volleyball. Will you, will you share some of those experiences? Uh, yeah, not, not so extensively, to be perfectly honest. No, okay. um, I, the first thing they asked me to do, <laughs> the first time they asked me to travel was to the 2012 Olympics yeah. in, in, in London. <laughs> That's kind um, of a big deal. <laughs> so <laughs> that was, <laughs> right. well, yeah, but it, it was, you know, just one trip. It was, uh, okay. it was amazing to be asked. I actually was a volunteer. They gave me, uh, basically, well, I was supposed to come up with the money to to pay for everything myself, um, my flights, money to cover food and, and lodging and everything else. And, and I was on my own for getting around London, had to you know make it to the different venues to uh, to take care of the athletes on my own. So it was very independent. But at the same time, it was an incredible experience. And it's also what got me into uh, working in the village, in the recovery center in the village in London, where I found that there were five chiropractors that I had volunteered with on AIDS life cycle who were there working with various different teams, uh, including the assistant to the uh, medical director for USOC, Dustin Nabon. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Pierce, I ran across as well. But okay. uh, anyway, five different chiropractors that I had volunteered with on AIDS life cycle. So all roads led to the Olympics. It, it seemed like I, I belonged there. I, sh I should be there 
some way, somehow. Uh, also, one of the PTs, one of the DPTs who was working in the USOC clinic was Heather Linden, whom I had worked with in West LA some years before in a, in a PT clinic for years. It was a, it was a shoe in. I was just like, oh, this is where I belong. I need to be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the next time I traveled with USA Volleyball was uh, with the beach teams in 2018 to Stad Switzerland for one of the world championships. And then uh, in 2019, they took me to Germany to, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name of the, the, the town, but for the, again, for world championships. And that was an incredible journey. But in London is where I met the medical director for the USOC, who then invited me to go to Rio with, with the USOC. Yeah, so you, you worked in the, the sports rehab area or recovery area i should say for team usa at the 2016 rio olympics and that's actually where where we met um i I met you passing through because i was there just with usa diving but you you got to take care of any athlete that didn't travel with a medical team that's really cool i mean you you got the whole whole swath of athletes there will you tell us just a little bit about that experience what it's like to to be in the village and be be ready to take care of athletes at the drop of a hat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know if you can see the smile. It was so incredible. It was it was absolutely mind-blowing to be there working not just with my volleyball teams who were there before the game started, to work with all these different athletes from so many different fields. You know, you you, you go into the Olympics expecting every athlete to be like like the perfect human form. There are so many of them that aren't the perfect human form athletes come in all shapes and sizes and that was so eye-opening to me um i mean i've worked with weekend warrior athletes and they come in every shape and size sure but i never expected to see so many athletes in every shape and size at the olympics and it was it was such an incredible experience working with the weightlifters and oh the uh the rugby sevens teams oh yeah they were a hoot um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that's just rugby in general. Uh, they're they're an entertaining crew, regardless of re- level. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I think the the biggest the biggest experience for me working in the recovery clinic was generally you had uh, women's teams competing on one day and the men's teams competing on the next day. So on the day when the men's teams would be competing, we would have you know we had a, a video monitor, but no no narration, no feed as to actually explaining what's happening so the athletes would come down and hang out with us as we're working on all these athletes and say okay here's what's happening here and and you know here's why they did this and and just explained all of the sports that i've never been a big sports person as far as uh, actually competing okay. i'm an endurance athlete i love being active but I'm, I'm not very competitive and so to have someone there explaining what's happening and telling us narrating the whole thing in person it was absolutely incredible and certainly the rugby sevens were the were the most animated. I bet, <laughs> I bet. Uh, in the interview I did with Tom uh, Tom Benson uh, a couple weeks back now, he talked about like you know if you want to work with a sport, you got to learn the sport, you got to watch the athletes work. But it is such a fun time working with athletes when oh, yeah. their sport's going on and they comment, and it, it's pretty neat. I, I had a a similar experience working with women's lacrosse, so. NCAAs were in the same city, you know, the same weekend, mm-hmm. and then the women's team played on Saturday and the men's team played on Sunday. Or actually, they, they alternated, you know, like Final Four and then the final match. But when the when 
basically I was working recovery with the women's team. They had the men's game on and they're watching like, I can't believe he did this. I can't believe it. I'm like, I just learned like way more in watching a half hour of this game than I had in like, you know, two, three hours sideline watching them play. I'm like, I'm watching mechanics, but as far as the, the fluidity of the game and it was a fun, fun experience. So you got right. to work with a bunch of different types of athletes oh, absolutely. and go about that. Do you, do you have advice? Cause you mentioned in the previous podcast that you're also an instructor at a massage school. What advice do you give to your students or, you know, maybe someone who's been in the field a few years, if they want to break into sport massage, what, what advice do you like to give folks? Wow. Um, volunteer, get out there and volunteer and help. And if you're seen as helpful as, uh, as someone who pursues new information and can interact with people without confusing situations, then uh, you'll very quickly be fast-tracked into whatever direction you want to go. It's pretty amazing how open-minded sports professionals, especially sports medicine professionals, are to helping people along. They, they just want to help. It's amazing. That's great. That's great advice. And I been fortunate to have similar experiences. I was uh, talking to one of the previous episodes where like the team doc looks to me, he's like, Hey, come put your hands on this. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, you know, they, they acknowledge that there's, there's a difference in skill set, and absolutely he can, he is a sports med and family doc. So this guy could assess so many different pathologies, but when it came to like the feel or texture, he's like, Kelly, come here, get your hands on this. Let me get your input. And I'm like, the first time I was like, ah! And I'm like, no, 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 I got this, I got this, I got this. I've been doing this a couple of years now. Yeah. So, I guess to double back on that previous interview, you had said um, it took you about four years in the massage field before you started to pursue sport massage, continuing education. Is, um, yes. is there something else in the continuing education that's been really beneficial for your work with teams? Maybe more so at events as opposed to back doing maintenance work in a clinic? Uh, you know, just like there's no end to what you can learn on, uh, on body work or, or anatomy, there's no end to what you can learn as far as stretching and knowing how to assess range of motion, knowing some of the orthopedic tests really helps. Well, in, in sports work, <laughs> I'm not sure where to take that one, honestly. Sure. Um, like stretching said, stretching has been huge for okay, me, okay. but, uh, but you know, like you mentioned with, the, with working with the doctor, uh, assessment, assessing tissue, getting a feel for what subscap should feel like if it's nice and healthy, take those opportunities when you have, when you're working with another professional and you know, you're like, uh, let's do an, an exchange. I want to explore this, you know, for myself mm -hmm. and, you know, let them explore whatever they want to work on with you and say, okay, how's your shoulder? Is your shoulder healthy? Excellent. Your shoulder's healthy. Let me dive in there and feel what the healthy muscles feel like. Let me, let me see, let me compare a muscle with no issues to the muscles that I see all the time that have these, you know, this pattern of issues that, that I see in the sport that I work in. I worked with one of my volleyball players just the other day and got into his subscap and, and immediately there was a whole new pattern in his subscap that I don't normally see with him. And I'm like, okay, are you playing another sport recently? Are you, are you, you know, mixing it up here? He's like, oh, well, yeah, I've spent uh, about five days playing tennis these you know, past couple of weeks. Like, okay, all right, that's, that's what's showing up. That's, you know, uh, just being able to recognize this is not the normal pattern that I see for this sport. Now I'm seeing something completely different, you know, from the same body. What is maybe one step towards 
being able to recognize a change in pattern, or not even a change in pattern, but the pattern as a whole. I mean, you sort of mentioned it with feeling healthy versus an unhealthy tissue, but do you have one like going, like going from session to session or what's a little nugget you can share with us on honing that skill? Sure. Just keeping good soap notes. I have a, I have my own soap note form that I created where I can track out where the individual uh, trigger points are for, for each athlete where are the big ones, where, what are the small ones, what are the, the, the tight lines of continuous lines of pull from those trigger points, you know, that they always come with a, like a, a little tight line and tracking out those lines and then learning to recognize that over time. It, it's not something that you're going to, that you're going to see the second time you work with an athlete, something you're going to see after working with the same athlete time after time after time. And then sitting down at, at, at some point and comparing these soap notes and oh, okay, well this changed from here to here. What was the difference? So good record keeping, paying really close attention to patterns. You know, I mean, our brains are really geared toward patterns anyway, right? Our brains are 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 uh, have evolved to recognize dangerous patterns, good patterns. Um, you know, uh, just pattern recognition, and and if you apply that with a conscious focus, you can really start to discern small differences. Uh, in one athlete from one session to another, or recognize, like, for example, uh, so one more example, if, if I may, uh, uh, recognize when you see, like, say, uh, one pattern that I see with volleyball a lot is that left hip abductors tend to be really, really tight, especially medial rotators. And it's because they launch off of that leg and they land on that leg because their their dominant arm, typically the right arm, is going to be raised much higher and they're going to launch from that left leg and they're going to land on that left leg. But when I see, when I came across at one point, a new athlete who didn't have that, that non-dominant side tension, her hips were very even both sides. I had to, you know, like second or third session, like, okay, tell me what this difference is. Why aren't your hip, why is your hip, left hip not tight like everyone else's? What are you doing that's different? And she had a coach many years back who had pulled her inside and said, look, you can't be landing on one leg all the time. It's going to shorten your career. It causes too much tension over there. So here's what I want you to do. And he trained her along with the rest of the team, but, but he trained her to land on both feet. So she would launch the same way everyone else does. But when she came back down, she would get both feet under her and, and catch herself with both legs at the same time. And it made a world of difference in her hips. Yeah, that's, that will make so just recognizing yeah. that yeah, that's... and then passing that information along. That's a great. I hope the uh, strength and conditioning folks know about that over volleyball. <laughs> oh, I think we froze. Oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah. You gave us a, a couple solid nuggets with keeping good notes and, and tracking out from there. A couple good ones, kind of. I, I would even consider like orthopedic assessment. It's kind of right on the verge of our, you know, the massage continuing ed and whatnot. Is there anything outside the traditional massage or? general massage CEUs that you found beneficial for sport work? CEUs outside of massage. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned the uh, advanced anatomy, the cadaver anatomy. That was phenomenal. Okay. I, I mentioned Z Health on the first one. That's phenomenal for sports as well. Trying to imagine. So, yeah, ISTEM is, is not really seen as being in the realm of massage therapy. Little by little, it's, it's becoming more popular. Um, but I consider that to be incredibly effective. Uh, you, you're preaching to the choir on the instrument assistant work. That's I, I, I appreciate it. 
Some of it I was fortunate in my massage schooling because it was based in traditional Chinese medicine. We used the bodywork expression to address things that an acupuncturist would typically use needles and herbs for. We, we did gua sha early on, which is... It is an, it's a, a version of instrument-assisted work. Um, we did cupping early on, so they're right. all... I, in my head, since I learned them early on, I put them in the massage category. Some of the other examples that sure. folks have, have mentioned, um, like one of the first episodes, Carl Christie, he mentioned like personal training. So he did a personal training certification. That's, that's definitely not a massage continuing ed, but it was an education base that he took that information and it actually helped round out some edges within his practice. So that's kind of what mm -hmm. I'm going for or... If, if there is something that jumps out like that. Sure, absolutely. So uh, are you familiar with Voodoo Floss or Rock Floss? Yep, I've, I've taken most of Rock Tape's courses, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too, absolutely. Yeah, so I, the, uh, the, the Voodoo Floss I love because it, it very quickly clears up specific issues. If it's, if it's uh, a simple, straightforward, stuck issue, like if, if it's a... Uh, if it's say ligaments that are just you know not moving as, as well, um, not allowing movement as as well as they should, or soft tissue where there's layers of deep fascia that seem to be sticking and, and not not gliding very well, it you know quickly inc increases the glide and it gives you a little bit of information as to uh, as, oh that reminds me of another one it gives you a little bit of information as to how to treat that finding what's stuck or or what actually cleared up when you do that compression and start loading it and stretching it. Another one would be CARS, controlled articular rotations from the uh, functional anatomy seminars. Yeah, I've, um, I've seen a bit with uh, that's functional. That's another one that, that gives yeah. you great information. Mm -hmm. Yes, function, functional yeah. release. Gives functional, you great information yeah. when you start. Go ahead. Sorry. We got the Zoom. Uh, yeah, the so zoom there's, there's uh, <laughs> uh, functional anatomy seminars is the, the company. And then the bodywork side of that is uh, functional release seminars. But there's also the training side of that, which includes the CARS. Um, and the uh, controlled articular rotations, like when you're doing a, con a controlled articular rotation in your cervicals, if you have a closing angle, a, an angle that's that's uh, increasing in its angle, if you have a closing angle pain, that means one thing. Whereas if it's the opening angle, that's another thing. If you if you create pain over here, so it's, it's a it's almost an assessment process. I love tools that give you a little assessment in the process of doing that. Another great example would be the shoulder sphere. Have you seen shoulder sphere? I, I don't think I have, or at least the name doesn't jump out at me. Check out uh, shouldersphere.com. They make two tools. It's a, It was a, created by an orthopedic surgeon, and it was based on the concept of a little cat toy, a little bell inside of a, inside of a clear plastic ball. Okay. And this orthopedic surgeon said, okay, if I'm moving this from my shoulder, not from my wrist, then I'm going to have a concentric contraction around 180 degrees of that and an eccentric contraction around the other, the other side. So each muscle of the, of the four rotator cuffs has a contraction. So he created this plastic form that, that Velcros to your forearm. It doesn't allow any, any movement at all in the wrist, and you're holding onto a clear plastic ball that then has a, a smaller weighted ball on the inside, and you move that ball on the inside from the shoulder to create those contractions and there's a, a rehab version a smaller version and a pro athlete version that's much larger much he much heavier and it's been phenomenal i've, I've had uh, shoulder injuries myself from doing too much heavy lifting 
uh, I had uh, frozen shoulder on the right side and frozen shoulder on the left side, 2008, 2009. And so I'm always doing prehab maintenance for my shoulders. And when I found the shoulder sphere, I was able to set the TheraBands aside because I don't know if you've ever done rotator cuff TheraBand, but it's ad nauseum. You just have to keep doing it forever trying to maintain the shoulder. But this ball rotating inside of the sphere, when you get to a point, a range, say, uh, I do the D1, D2 patterns just to cover all bases. And uh, when I get to a range and and it goes clunk the ball doesn't roll around the inside it, it i miss a spot and it just goes clunk into the into the side of the plastic ball mm-hmm. then that's a point where you missed your contraction and so it's an assessment to say okay i'm a little weak in this range i need to work through this range and build my neuromuscular awareness and my strength and it keeps my shoulders much much stronger so i use it with the athletes as an assessment as well to find out where their rotator cuff isn't happy that's a really cool application. I like it. I'm going to look that up as soon as we're done. <laughs> I'm fighting the urge laptops in front of me. I'm like, <laughs> shoulder sphere, huh? But <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's neat. Like that's the, great. The cars, uh, I'm fortunate that my office, um, we have two treatment rooms. I have a physical therapist, then I have my room. And then we have a 1,100 square foot nice. gym that two... I say the word personal trainer. Um, that's a vast understatement for their skill set, but they they run it and they're both big in it. But the the female personal trainer, she's huge into doing cars, and she actually showed me some of the lower body versions of it, and I love them and hate them. But yeah, they're they're really good at illustrating where in a range that you're weakest, and it yeah becomes an assessment, becomes easy easy uh, home care for clients and whatnot. So yeah, the functional range conditioning I think is the the course that teaches most Absolutely. of the cars. But yeah, that's a good one. That's yeah, FRC. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a lot a lot of good nuggets, man. Is there anything else sport wise you want to share with folks? Um, <laughs> like I said, you know, trying to cool things we can do with it or tips or advice just for being a good sport therapist anything you want to leave us with wow uh the one thing that that comes to mind right off the bat for that would be the thing not to do that works so (laughs) i'm asked all the time for referrals i'm asked all the time for referrals for sports massage people in a certain area or a sports massage person who can cover when i'm not available and the one thing that the atcs or the the pts often request is someone who's not going to come in and start trying to change things as massage therapists we have big broad open minds and we're educated on a lot of different things we we all have a a different shtick that we tend to go to when you start working with a new group the last thing you want to do is come in and say oh well you're doing this wrong you need to do this and you need to incorporate this and you can go in and share knowledge and share experience but Never redirect athletes without us without talking to an ATC or, or a PT about what you'd like to incorporate. That's something that uh, I'm told, you know, time and time again. Oh no, we won't ever work with that person again because they came in and tried to tried to redirect the athlete or push a nutrition based supplement or something along those lines that's you know really outside of our realm. And, and they're much more specialized. So having a, having a respect, I think, for the professionals who are there already and discussing things with them. You know, if I have an idea, I don't hesitate. I go to the ATC and say, hey, what for this athlete, what if, and run it by them. If, if 
they go for it. If they say yes, let's take a look. Then we can sit down and talk to the athlete, but never before that. All right. So I guess to summarize Tony's advice uh, in going earlier, you said be humble. So come in, be humble, and be a team player. And that's how you're going to get pretty far in sport massage. <laughs> and I, I agree with it. Yeah, I feel that's, absolutely. those are, are probably two most consistent pieces of advice is be humble and be a team player. Cool. That's that's great, Tony. Thank Absolutely. you so much for joining us uh, again for a second second episode. A lot of good things to take away from this one. Brush my hand from the last <laughs> one. Get my shoulder sphere on this one. But again, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate it, Kelly. It's very fun. Great to see you again. Good to see you as well, my friend. All right, everyone. That does end the episode. If you're looking for show notes or references or you're just looking for more content from us, you can visit our website, which is www.massagetoolspodcast.com for all of your Massage Tools Podcast needs. Last but not least, we got uh, two things. One's a recommendation. Hit that subscribe button to whichever podcast service you're using so you get our latest episodes. And if you'd like to, give us a review. Uh, Help spread the word a little bit. Get our podcast out there so we can help inspire and motivate the industry. So good day, good evening, and good night.